Hi, Max. I wanted to share something with you. I wanted to tell you how grateful I am and how you've embraced your sobriety since day one. I'm grateful for how you changed your life. I'm grateful for the love you have for me. I'm grateful for you. Love, Mom. If your loved one is still struggling with addiction, you might not feel like you'll ever get to grateful. But we can show you how. At Karen, we've helped families overcome addiction for 70 years. So if your loved one is ready for something different, visit caron.org lost. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on, shame on you. <laughs> it's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat. Hosted by Ben Kissel. Boom, we can't get fooled again. Hey, what's up, everyone? How you doing? Ben Kissel here, hanging out with Travis Morningstar. We are starting in a som- on a somber note. Hey, man, you know, life is hard, dude, and you never know what comes around the corner. You never know when the Grim Reaper is going to show its shiny sickle to you as you lay in your billion-dollar mansion Resting comfortably. Uh, this has been a rough, I'm going to say a rough three weeks for the billionaire class as a whole. And you know what? Our heart goes out. R.I.P. to David Koch. David a true Koch. titan of human suffering. It's interesting. Uh, he died this morning uh, of cancer and I assume was dragged to hell by an emaciated polar bear. Well, you never know what's going on. I mean, if you believed in that kind of stuff, that would be a fun lore. David, uh, so now we have David Koch is gone. Uh, Charles Koch is still alive, obviously, I'm sure everyone knows here. Uh, The Koch family, it's one of these billionaire families. You know, it's sort of the conservative version of like a George Soros or something like that. Basically, they're billionaires who throw their money around, try to get their political will passed through Congress and, uh, you know, initiated by the government officials that are theoretically supposed to be elected you know, to represent the people. Uh, but it turns out if you got uh, billions and billions of dollars, the people don't really matter. Oh, yeah. So and, and don't and don't let there be any uh, illusions about this. The Koch brothers fund all of the anti-climate change denial. Oh, of stuff. course they do. Uh, yeah, they've no. squashed unions. They've they've slashed taxes for the rich. They've dismantled just sort of the barest well, regulations. They haven't, on biz- but they've supported politicians that do. Yes. And, of course, money goes a long way in the American political system, and certainly their money went a long, long way. Charles Koch is still alive. David Koch is dead. Protect uh, Charles Koch. You know, it's interesting, man. We're all equal in death, and it doesn't matter. He had $50 billion. This dude had $50 billion. It's funny. uh, I I was reading a little bit about David Koch's early life. He had a nanny uh, who was a Nazi sympathizer. <laughs> well, and, uh, you know, so, he, he started off on the wrong foot there. So she, she would start the morning by commanding them to shit. The children by commanding the, them to shit, to having com- on command bowel movements, well, so that she, she was could, authentically so that a Nazi. she could get it out of the way in the morning. So he would he would be told when to shit by this Nazi sympathizer nanny, and it's just sort of a bitter irony that in death he is being told when to shit. By the Grim Reaper. Yes, indeed. He started being told when to shit. Had a great life as a billionaire. Yeah. And then uh, the death told him to uh, shit on command. So, of course, now there's a lot of conservatives because, you know, this is a death. 
where it's like, as soon as I heard this, this is interesting. I, I felt the exact same way as I felt when I heard about Dave Koch's death as I did when Antonin uh, Scalia died, where it's, first of all, there is an element of like, that's right, everyone dies. So you do have to get sort of hit with that hammer once again. You're like, that's right, it's coming for me at some point as well. And obviously this man did a lot of horrible things, but he's also been a character in yeah. our lives, much like Scalia, yeah. as political nerds, as news junkies. These people have been characters in the larger yeah. story arcs, the larger uh, political um, movements and larger political uh, actions that have been taking place, that have taken place Just villains. over the past 40 years. These people have been key to those movements. So there is a part of me that's like, I never thought it was going to happen. Yeah, it's like finding out that Gargamel died. From yeah, Smurfs. it's weird. I'm not in mourning, but I I also am realizing like, oh, it happens, It ha even if you're a billionaire. And there is something to this. When someone hoards money, when someone collects cash, and obviously the way that the U.S. has our healthcare system set up, there is no denying money and wealth leads to longevity. But even with his billions of dollars, he was still dead he is still dead at 79 years old and i don't know i just thought if you got 50 billion bucks you could at least make it to 85 but i guess that's not the way that nature works and what in what perfect timing and speaking of nature because here we are we're you know the amazon rainforest is on fire uh glaciers are melting all around well the brazil world. has got to get that together that that is a side effect of some horrible policies uh, in Brazil for a long time. The fact that the lungs of the earth right now, and that's what they call it, yeah, as, yeah. as Italy is the breadbasket of America, uh, of the world, and <laughs> mostly America because we like to eat our, well, uh, our, our, our carb-based foods and our olives. Our breadbasket is different from Italy's. Our breadbasket is the Midwest. That's, yes. Yeah, that's the heart. That's the... As that's, a, as a Kansas native, land. I have to say, I have to defend uh, the Midwest here. All right. They got a little bread basket there as well. A little cow basket, a little cheese basket. But, just, but Italy is the bread basket of the world. And now we truly have Amazon, which is the lungs. I mean, it is. we need this thing called oxygen. Uh, when that starts ablaze, when that catches fire and the way that it is still catching fire, it is extremely dangerous. And it is just, again pushing forward policies that need we need to have political and policy change in this country because of course in this global economy that we live in it affects the amazon it affects brazil we did get a bit of uh, information regarding the main man when it comes to climate change jay inslee mm -hmm. of course the governor out of washington he has said that he's going to step down. He's not going to continue his run for president. He's like, this isn't in the cards for me. I thought he actually did a great job of being like, yo, I understand. I'm not making this debate. I get where the numbers are. I'm a reasonable dude. I'm a rational dude. But I think I made my point when it comes to climate change. And Mr. Inslee, I believe that you did. And I hope that Jay Inslee, if there is a Democrat in office in 2020, becomes the head of the EPA and we actually see reasonable, practical policies put in place that could hopefully try to alleviate some of the burning that is going on, not just in California, not just in places, you know, all over the world, but specifically in places like the Amazon, yeah. which uh, we definitely freaking need. And here we are on the precipice of irreversible climate change destruction. And David Koch gets he gets a little uh, 
he just gets jettisoned off the planet that he helped raise. Well, to that's the, ground. the thing, man. You got climate change is one of those things where if you're old, man, who cares? If you're if you're just looking out, and you know, and, and this is just the reality that I believe to be true because I think this is uh, true. People look out for their own best interests. And if you are Dave Koch, he's hearing about climate change. He's like, oh, in 30 years, 15 years, 10 years, he doesn't give a shit. Why would he care? He knows he's got terminal cancer. He knows he's about to dip out anyway. So just leave the world with (laughs) one last fuck you and dip on out. I mean, have have you seen his son? Have you seen his children? They're goofy goofy-looking human. Billionaires so he d- are wild. He doesn't care. He's got a Hawaiian shirt-wearing, uh, cowboy boot-wearing, uh, goofy son. Oh. He, he he would rather the world be, uh, you know, switched off anyway. But, I mean, I don't know what... We don't know what the afterlife is, but I really do hope David Koch sort of wakes up in the cube from the movie Cube. Oh, and he cube has to is solve cool. a bunch of puzzles involving, like, uh, Venom shooting out of walls and, and, and yeah. whatnot. I, I didn't mind the movie Cube. You didn't mind it? It's great. It's fine. Cube is great. It's fine. De- uh, it was a little, a little bit like deadly Rubik's come, cube. Come on, get on, get on with it. No, it's um, great. but it was cool. Um, all right, so that is it. David Koch, another person has been taken from this <laughs> world. Another billionaire dead. We're going to talk a little bit more about Jeffrey Epstein. We do have a couple of new developments in that story. Jizz Lane, as I like to call her, I know it's Galane. Whatever. Uh, she is feeling the heat. Evidently, Travis just told me, though, she does have a license to navigate she, a submarine, she so a she sub- may just be underwater she right now. She's a certified submarine pilot, and hey. uh, she also has a TED Talk. You should look that up. I will. She's 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 underwater right now, off the coast of Ireland, I'm sure. It's possible. So we have a couple of more details on Jeffrey Epstein, some of the fallout when it comes to the suicide that took place in the... Uh, cell. Obviously, there's a lot of prison guards who are like, uh, people want to know where the hell you were. And the prison guards, I believe there's 15 now that have been under subpoena. They've been subpoenaed, so they're going to have to go testify. And of course, the warden of the jail, uh, he was gone, he's gone. And I believe the chief of jails as well has been removed and put into a different position. Well, but we'll get into happened. a li- we'll get into a little bit more detail on that. We also want to talk about what happened in Texas. Man, Texas is better than New York State and New York City when it comes to the legalization, albeit accidentally, of marijuana. Texas had a law passed that legalized hemp, of course, hemp and the smoking, the smokable weed, they come from the same plant. So cops are like, what are we supposed to do here? We're not botanists. We're Texas Patrol. Like, I don't think that they can tell the difference. We're not botanists. We're not botanists. Uh, so Texas has sort of inadvertently decriminalized marijuana. We're going to talk about that, especially in the context of New York City. There was a new study that just came out. And these studies come out every freaking year, and they never change. Over 95% of pot arrests in New York City are of black and brown people. I know, it's so stunning. It's so shocking. But it just does not change. So we talk about the prison industrial complex. We talk about jails. We talk about the entire uh, corporate 
machine behind bail bonds and these sorts of things. Uh, we also talk about how police are the extension of the tax man, how much revenue comes in by from citations, as we saw in Ferguson, where the city was getting over half of its revenue by parking violations, by uh, marijuana violations, by, uh, you know, whatever it might be, parking to, you know, uh, speeding violations, having a taillight out. You can name a thousand reasons you can get a citation. And when the state starts to use that as a main revenue source, you have yourself a situation that is ripe for police misconduct. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Also, shell workers. Now, this is a shell union workers. They were forced, and they're not happy about this, Travis. They were forced to go attend a Donald Trump rally. Uh, they said that they weren't, they weren't, um, it wasn't mandatory that they show up. It was heavily implied. That it it was, was mandatory that they show up. So we're going to have that story for you. We also have Donald Trump going over to the G7 summit. That is going to be contentious to say the least. And lastly, Donald Trump has a potential opponent. Obviously, Bill Weld is already running for the Republican nomination as well. He's literally not polling. I believe he's at 0.0 in the polls. And now there is a new conservative. This dude, he's a one-term congressman. Uh, I don't even, he's like one, he's just an internet troll, which I guess is now a prerequisite to run for presidential office. Joe Walsh is going to try to unseat Donald Trump within the Republican Party, despite the fact that Donald Trump has about an 85% uh, percent approval rating within the Republican Party. So good freaking luck with that. And I also want to tell one story that is a crime story, but I want to talk about it in the context of criminal justice reform. It's an interesting story, and I want to hear Travis's thoughts on this, and I want to hear your thoughts. You can always email us. Um, I don't even think, what, what is our email for this? Just the last podcast network at Gmail. Yeah, there you go. Last podcast network at Gmail. Six teens tried to rob a house. After the homeowner shot and killed one of them, the others were charged with murder. And I'm not saying that the person whose home was being robbed should be charged with murder, but this is how we have so many people incarcerated in this country. Number one, USA, number one when it comes to incarceration. I want to highlight this story because this is just an example of why our prison population is so full. But before we get to all of that, let us go back and discuss Jeffrey Epstein. So what do we have? What do we learn? Here we go. Two days before Jeffrey Epstein hung himself in his jail cell, he signed his will and testament. It was $577 million. I believe he was not the billionaire that he claimed to be, although I'm sure at some point he had that amount of money in his coffers. This is a lot of people on the internet or Sell, you know, getting conspiratorial about it. My personal belief is this is further evidence that he probably just hung himself because he knew exactly what he wanted to do. He knew exactly uh, when he was going to do it, signed his will and testament and was like, all right, I got that all wrapped up. Hopefully this can try to keep this money away from the abundance of civil suits that are going to be coming towards his fortune. And of course, those people deserve Every damn cent. Anyone who was raped by Jeffrey Epstein deserves every single one of those dollars. And apparently, 
this was to me an indication that he had premeditated the concept the idea that he was going to commit suicide was a premeditated act but of course many other people have drawn different conclusions than that well so yeah epstein is out of the picture and, and i think a lot of people are going like okay what happens next right so france is actually paris has just opened a rape investigation into jeffrey epstein after the fact after his after a little his, late france it's a little late a little late but okay but but i we appreciate it no, but so I think this this is a an ex- this is good though because it shows that people are still interested in the case in in some aspect and I think given the right type of evidence it can sort of be oriented towards Ghislaine Maxwell just mm-hmm. to get somebody who is who is so connected to the actual enterprise that Jeffrey Epstein had going. I think just as me personally just sort of thinking a lot I think with the involvement of one of the victims Virginia Jufree, Jufree, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think there's a possibility of the case of a case against Ghislaine Maxwell because Virginia right. herself was actually sexually assaulted by Ghislaine herself and Epstein together, and that's one of the few uh, instances where that actually happened. Okay, where they were, uh, where Epstein and Ghislaine were still sort of in the room doing that. So hopefully, and she's been very forthcoming with with uh, involvement in, in the pr- the previous case before Epstein killed himself. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, she I don't know uh, helps along with a, a prosecution case against Ghislaine if they're able to find her, which may or may not even happen because she's apparently a Photoshop wizard who is throwing smoke signals out there with these fake Photoshop yeah. In and Out Burger photos, and then we and then oh all of a sudden Popeyes and Chick Fil A are having a fight on Twitter. Just more disinformation from from these fast food restaurants. <laughs> oh, I know it. They're classic. So, what was the trust that Jeffrey Epstein signed all of his money into? Uh, he uh, put all of his holdings in a trust referred to as the 1953 trust. This was according to some court papers. It's based upon the year he was born. Isn't that nice? So there are no details on the trust beneficiaries. The court papers noted Epstein's only potential heir was his brother, Mark Epstein. (laughs) You know, poor brother. Honestly, it's just got to be like, I mean, I guess, or maybe complicit. I don't know. And who's thinking about the brothers, Mark Epstein and Charles Koch? Who's who's reaching out to these people? We need to. We need to. And I don't know Mark at all so he might be a totally fine he, person i really don't know have you seen but, brad pitt's brother by the way no he looks like a sort of an off-brand version of brad he just sort of looks like a normal guy brad pitt look him up cool yeah honestly brad pitt kicked ass and once upon a time in hollywood i thought he was awesome i loved it it was a great movie just a nice hangout movie it was well going back here to the will and uh, the trust it was 21 pages uh it included a copy of epstein's death certificate from august 15th five days after his suicide, which noted immediate cause pending further study. And the 21 pages of documents revealed Epstein's personal property totaled about $577 million and included $56 million in cash and $194 million in hedge funds and private equity investments. He also had a very interesting art collection absolutely and we're seeing the paintings as they are revealed i'm not sure what's going to happen with that painting of bill clinton in the blue dress obviously a la monica Lewinsky. and if you get a chance brooke rogers is going to have a kick-ass article coming out about monica Lewinsky in the very near future uh, and i will make sure to spread the word about that newspaper article or about that magazine article coming out soon but speaking of art 
Uh, it turns out that a lot of the art in Epstein's house are fake. A lot of the pieces are um, just fake versions of pieces of art. Like they're not mm. the they're not the legit uh, they're not the legit paintings. That's he, how you become a billionaire, man. You gotta knew, fake it. No, he he's very much he's very Trumpian in this regard because he liked the fact that it's all like it's all for show. It's all fake. He right. Knew, he knew that some of his paintings were fake, and he would he would like to dupe people. Uh, by by saying that they weren't, and, and you know what? Who doesn't love a good practical joke? He's yeah, just, he's Epstein like was Gallagher. Real, yeah, Epstein was a yeah real real jokester. Yes, he was. The so Epstein's joke. the ultimate joke. Of course, his life is an ultimate joke because he threw away everything. He's a total moron and a complete and utter waste of uh, of a life and a human being. And uh, he hurt so many people that I really hope again they receive compensation. If not. Because, of course, they're not going to get the justice they deserve, yeah. which is Jeffrey Epstein sitting in a jail cell um, having to reflect on what he Imagine- has done with his life. But Epstein's bizarre art collection, we're finding out what it included. It included a massive lifelike human doll hanging from a chandelier and a human-sized chessboard with scantily clad figurine models after his employees. But the- these had yet to be. Appraised. So the man was really living like uh, Tom Hanks in the movie Big. Um, but of course, in the movie Big, the roles were reversed because actually the love interest in that movie was technically a pedophile because Tom Hanks was uh, really a 13-year-old oh. boy. But of course, she didn't know that because he was he had the body of a bu- big old buff man. Yeah, like seriously, Jeffrey Epstein was a giant dumbass. He was like, he was like Turtle from Entourage. Because oh. there's this article on uh, Mother Jones where they interview... A very good friend of Jeffrey Epstein named Stuart Pivar. This is that his real that name. That is his real name. And no, it's Stuart Pivar. <laughs> Stuart Pivar. Are you sure about yes, that? Yes. Look up this article on Mother Jones. It is just a a long transcript that this journalist he has this conversation with uh, Stuart Pivar, Epstein's old friend, and uh, he's talking about how. Uh, the dinners he would have with scientific leaders like oh yeah you all know, these, hawking and stuff these so-called brilliant people uh, yes. so i'm just gonna read <laughs> so, i mean this is funny because all of us are like i wonder what they talk about yeah, they're billionaires well, so, they must be brilliant what do they speak of well now we get to be a fly on their wall yeah so he was described he was pivar is describing epstein with a lot of admiration and like, so this is a positive this is story. a positive he loved okay. he loved epstein's you know imagination and curiosity and and, and intellect and he says uh, all he wanted to do was have a farm with women who were pregnant with his children so he says uh there were lavish dinner parties with the likes of steven pinker and stephen jay gold during which epstein would ask provocatively elementary questions like what is gravity mm-hmm. and if the conversation drifted beyond his interests epstein was known to interrupt what does that got to do with pussy? Oh, that's classic. <laughs> Ep- that is classic Jeffrey Epstein. That's an Epstein knee slapper that right apparently there. apparently was Epstein's catchphrase. What's that got to do with pussy at these parties? <laughs> it's like, you know, he, he is could- he's just one of the guys from Ballers or Entourage. He's he's not like this is one of the masters of our universe. He's just Jeremy Piven with money. Uh, yeah, maybe um, that, that's it. That's all these written like Dave Koch. That's all they talk about. I don't know if the Koch brothers talk about pussy the way that Epstein did, but all they talk about is dumb shit. And it's just very base. It's very human. And we do have to bust this idea open that, I mean, my parents certainly had this idea. I think our generation does not have this idea any longer. And it's good to see these billionaires being 
treated like we would be treated if we did the exact same things. And of course, we wouldn't be able to because we didn't have the money, nor do we have the will This is uh, to rape a bunch of children. But there used to be a notion that billionaires had it all. They were smart. You have to be a genius to be a billionaire. And I think we are now seeing... Now that we're in late stage capitalism that we're in and we have like fourth generation billionaires, uh, they are really, yeah. they're all just, hmm, they're more, they're more blaster than master. Yeah. That's what I will say. They have the mind of a child, not the mind of someone who actually knows anything yeah, about he, reality. He, this is, this is the guy that owned the largest townhouse in New York City, and he's walking around saying the same shit you would see on a big dog T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Remember those Big Johnson shirts? I love Big Johnson. Yeah, yeah. I, I got kicked out of seventh grade for wearing one of those. But uh, wait, was Big Dog and Big Johnson the same thing? Or am I thinking they of were two? very similar? Very similar. Okay. Yeah, there's another one. You'd that get them at out- outlet malls in Florida, right? Yeah. yeah, they're just for young boys with a juvenile sense of humor that love uh, puns about sex and mostly about penises, uh, despite that's, the that's fact the billionaires' that billionaires' mindset. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Uh, And now on a much more disgusting note, I mean, everything we're talking about is disgusting because we're talking about a pedophilic billionaire who is connected to multiple other people in power who we now know for a fact have had sex with children. And those names will be continuing to come out. Obviously, Prince Andrew. Uh, We got uh, our boy out of New Mexico, Bill Richardson. Obviously, Dershowitz. There's a whole boatload of people that uh, we're going to be hearing about. God, I would love to see Dershowitz go down. But We've been talking about he's got this. An, he's got an ironclad alibi. He said he never took his his boxers off when he was getting, like, whatever fingered during the <laughs> massage or something. Yeah, he was getting the old butt finger there. It's a different kind of massage. Uh, of course, with, with, with uh, Dershowitz, I've said this before in the show, he is just supporting any presidential candidate that doesn't put him in jail uh, for pedophilia. Much more disgusting story here as it continues on. Jeffrey Epstein once had a gift given to him. It was his birthday, and you wonder, what do you get a guy that has it all? Well, evidently, when they're a pedophile, you get them three 12-year-old girls. Three 12-year-old girls. Let that sink in. This is according to uh, Virginia Goffrey, of course, the woman that we've been talking about before, the woman who claims that uh, Ghislaine Maxwell raped her as, as well as Jeffrey Epstein when she was 15. This is what she had to say. She said, the worst one that I heard from his own mouth, this is her talking to Jeffrey Epstein about how disgusting uh, his acts were when it comes to active child molestation. She says, the worst one that I heard from his own mouth was this pretty 12-year-old girls he had flown in for his birthday, she said. Uh, she goes on to say, it was a surprise birthday gift from one of his friends, and they were from France. I did see them. I did meet them. She said they were a gift from Epstein's acquaintance, Jean-Luc Brunel, who was, quote, a model scout, which I guess that is one nice way of saying pervert who should never be allowed near a playground. He was a model scout. He wasn't a pedophile. No, he's a model scout. She goes on to say, Jeffrey bragged afterwards, after he met them, that they were 12 years old and flown over from France because they're really poor over there and their parents needed the money or whatever the case is and they were absolutely free to stay and flew out. The allegations were revealed in a 2015 court case as part of the 2008 civil lawsuit filed by two Epstein accusers. So these young girls 
We are talking about modern day. These poor three 12-year-old girls who belong to impoverished families in France were forced to into sex slavery by these monsters. This story, we, we have to always really stress just how disgusting, and I'm sure all of our listeners fully understand how disgusting it is. We, we like to, you know, put a little humor into what we discussed here to make the medicine go down a little bit, but you hear stories like that, and it just makes your skin crawl, and everyone in this case, every single person involved, I don't care if it's Trump to Clinton to the, even a low-level person, they all need to be out. Well, they yeah, just need it, to go. This is Isn't that fucking disgusting, dude? The, well, this is... This is the protocol for Epstein's whole industry of, of bringing these women in. He would always source from uh, low-income communities. Yes. Uh, next, So when he was down in uh, Palm Beach and Mar-a-Lago and stuff, he would source girls from Loxahatchee, Florida, right. which is a very poor poor area, and it's where Virginia Jufri is from. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, so that is... We've said this before, but this is how these elite people think about us right. as like cattle as as, as women that can carry their babies at a farm as people who are just there to be human fleshlights to be thrown away uh, to be thrown away like a like a used kleenex the these this is not all billionaires but i'm going to say it seems as if there's a lot of them who simply do not understand that people are people they don't see us as human beings and this is just a story that sheds a massive amount of light on that exact concept. Whenever, whenever vampires talk about humans in movies, like in Blade, when when the when uh, what's his face? Who's the main bad guy in Blade? Uh, oh, I forget the main bad uh, guy, Dorf, but I love Stephen Dorff. Yeah, Stephen Dorff. When, when Stephen Dorff is talking about humans, he's describing them like you know, like so much cattle. That is really, <laughs> that is really That's how it. how I feel like the parallel is here because of the the deliberate preying upon uh on poor people yeah of course uh people of, of just no means this it's it's vampiric no he's like epstein and his friends are people who watch the matrix and think it's great but like the reality they're like i would love to have humans in you know sort of synthetic wombs that we just feed off of and then we yeah, can just be us and it'll be cool they're just admiring mr smith's suit all right so just lastly again u.s prisons chief has been ousted one week after uh the suicide uh, attorney general bill barr removed the acting director of the bureau of prisons from his position more than a week after uh, Epstein committed suicide. That dude's name was Hugh Hurwitz. He was reassigned Monday. Comes amid mounting evidence that guards at the chronically understaffed Metropolitan Correctional Center in New York totally screwed up and did not do their duties. Now, of course, the irony is that Bill Barr also has a connection with Epstein as Epstein uh, was represented by his law firm in 2008. So we will keep you updated. As far as new information coming to light, uh, obviously you got the goofy stuff, which is literally the art, and then you have the truly just horrific stories that we hear specifically about those three poor 12-year-old French girls. So we will keep you updated on that the best that we know uh, how, and uh, yes, that we shall do. Let's move on. Um, so in Texas, let's go into Texas here. You know, it's a purple state. 
Honestly, Texas yep. is possibly up for grabs. Who the hell knows? Uh, Texas, it's independent. It is, you never, I mean, obviously it has been a red, red, red state for a long time. But as immigration changes, as Donald Trump's tariff war, as his trade war with China continues, hurting the farmers, hurting the ranchers in places like Texas. Of course, Donald Trump knows exactly what he's doing when he comes to how much devastation he's causing on working class families, on people who are just trying to make ends meet with their ranch or their farm. He understands completely that the consumer is going to have to pay the, the the tax. This is basically another tax on the American consumer. And I know that he knows this because Donald Trump wanted to delay the trade war until after the holidays yeah. because he didn't want people to have a bad Christmas. He understands. He knows he's screwing over everyone. Of course, he'll still have a, he'll still have his loyalist uh, who think he's playing eight dimensional chess or whatever the hell it might be. Nonetheless, in Texas, they have accidentally legalized or decriminalized marijuana. So this is according to a memo by Randall Prince. He is the deputy director of law enforcement operations. He was sent out to guide enforcement practices in light of the new hemp bill that passed the Texas legislator. This bill, it's House Bill 1325 and was signed into law last month. So Prince clarified that HB 1235 does not decriminalize marijuana, writing, because marijuana and hemp come from the same plant, it is difficult to definitively distinguish the two without a laboratory analysis. And that difficulty has led prosecutors across the state to drop hundreds of low-level marijuana cases and stop accepting new ones since lab testing is basically extremely, extremely expensive or it's just straight up not currently available in government crime labs. So, Texas, you did it. Hell yeah. You beat New York State. You did it. You did it. Officially, Texas is a state that is more progressive than New York State. So, there you go. Congratulations, Cuomo. We're behind Texas. Good job, buddy. This is like uh, it, when I lived in Savannah, Georgia. They have So, they have scooter laws where if your engine is below if it's 49 cc's or below you don't need insurance but if it's above 49 cc's you have to buy car insurance for your scooter so what i would do is just put stickers 49 cc on the back of my 150 cc scooter yeah and just be like the cops don't know the difference between engine sizes on a yamaha scooter no so just tell them it's 49 cc and that's very much the same thing hey, let's just let's just not have let's just Let's you know. Let's just call the whole thing off. Let weed be legal. I love it absolutely, and it needs to be legal nationwide. But we all agree with that. So, how many people were getting arrested for low-level marijuana arrests in Texas? The last annual safety report on the agency's website. This was from 2016. Says Highway Patrol troopers conducted about 65,000 criminal arrests with no indication of how many were for marijuana or for other drugs. In all of Texas, law enforcement officers arrested about 86,000 people on misdemeanor marijuana charges, according to uh, recent statistics. So we have a situation where uh, Texas uh, sort of backed its way into decriminalizing marijuana or at the very least making it impossible for prosecutors to go forward with prosecuting marijuana arrests 
So hey, hopefully in Texas you can roll up a big old joint tonight and feel a little bit better knowing that the odds of you going to jail have greatly, greatly diminished. What's the simplest way to ease back into a routine? Start it up before September, especially if you're headed back to school. Simplify the morning and evenings now with a simpler electric toothbrush from Quip. Timed sonic vibrations cover the basics at every part of your mouth and just take two minutes twice a day. The mirror mount puts brushing front and center in your bathroom so you'll remember to bookend the day using your new brush. And the lightweight, compact design means you can bring it along with you on those last summer weekend getaways. So enjoy sleeping in, then ease back into the swing of things with a smile. And if you're dreading the back to school crunch, never fear, Quip is here! The new Quip Kids brush is the same as their original version, just sized down for smaller mouths. And if you have kids, you know they're all always playing monkey see monkey do they're inspired to brush better and more often with oral care that looks and feels like the brushes the adults in their life use and they're proud to use quip help them develop a grown-up routine without childish gimmicks and you know you can trust quip Quip is the first electric toothbrush accepted by the American Dental Association. They're backed by over 25,000 dental professionals, and they have thousands of verified five-star reviews. I personally love Quip as we travel all around the world, entertaining all of you. I feel confident knowing that my teeth are bright and shiny, and I know that my breath smells nice and fresh. That's why I love Quip and why it's perfect for getting back into a routine. Quip starts at just $25, and if you go to getquip.com slash top hat right now, you can get your first refill pack for free. That's your first refill pack free at getquip com slash top hat. I do want to point out one story uh, sort of on the back of that talking about New York State. A recent study just came out, and this study, again, as I mentioned, comes out every year. 95% of marijuana arrests in New York City were of people of color. I know every... I know a lot of white people in New York City, and every one of them smokes weed. So I'm just, you know, the bragging about how many white people you know. Humble brag. I know a lot of white people. Every one of them smokes weed. It is simply impossible to argue that there is not a racial bias when it comes to uh, when it comes to enacting marijuana laws. In New York City, of course, this is under Bill de Blasio. It took them five years to fire Pantaleo, the officer who put the chokehold on Eric Garner. And even then, there was a GoFundMe for Pantaleo. Now, granted, that's national. I think he made about $110,000. He made a shameful amount of money. He made so much money because people just felt so bad for him. He's doing fine. He made 97000 bucks a year. He didn't have to do anything because he was basically on leave, you know, for killing the dude, for killing a man. So we see in New York City why marijuana just needs to be legal. And one of the issues that's happening right now when it comes to legalization is who is going to benefit the most. Obviously, when it comes to communities that have been targeted by cops, communities that have been devastated by the war on drugs, by uh, the uh, illegalization of marijuana, it would be best if those communities had first dibs on you know, businesses, on starting small businesses, on just getting in on the ground floor of the weed process here in New York State, because those are the communities that have been so devastated and 
there's, you know, there's a reason why we have systemic poverty in this country and the war on drugs, make no mistakes about it, make no mistake about it, is one of the causes, if not one of the largest causes. So when we hear those statistics, it is a reminder that we need to protect the communities that have been not protected. We need to protect the communities that have been devastated by the war on drugs, and they need to have first dibs on getting a getting status, legal status, be a small business owner. We need to rebrand drug dealers as small business owners because they operate in the exact same way. You, It's actually extremely difficult to be a drug dealer. You have to be fairly organized. I couldn't do it. So that is my thoughts on that and just further evidence of the racial bias that goes into policing, specifically in this case, in New York State. And I'm sure we could see similar statistics in communities all across this country. I was just looking at the uh, the Democratic playlists uh, that, that each oh of the Democratic my God. Con- uh, candidates have released. All right. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, I mean. All, all right. I'm going to put it. I'm going to put a butt in it. I'm going to put a put a pin in the marijuana conversation, but we'll con- constantly be coming back uh, to that. I mean, so I was just they, they have a little uh, infographic and it shows what the if you take all of the lyrics from each playlist, it'll show you what the number one word is so this is basically to set this up a little bit the democratic candidates you know they're (laughs) they're just like us uh they also have spotify playlists and for some reason they decided to share them with the world because they are human beings they are just like me and they are just like you they are people too um i feel like it's probably gonna backfire yeah so like there's an infographic that shows all of the so if you cum- uh, accumulated all the lyrics and all of the playlists that they did it's like oh what's the number one word in uh biden's playlist uh-huh. and it's it's pretty much love throughout all of them love is the sort of the top five word uh, uh. booker is number one is love like that's the most the word used most in, in all of the lyrics so they had to get one of their aides yes. to curate <laughs> yes. all of the songs that have the word it's love amazing the anal retentive like detail oh, that God. something like the new york times would go into this but then when you get to bernie sanders he's at the end of the infographic and the first two words of his are go hard and then love is the last word on the list. <laughs> I just got you just got to love it. He's just like complete opposite of the other right. the other uh, candidates. Ugh. But I mean, they're all of all of the the standards are in there. You've got in Biden's playlist, it's basically Bruce Springsteen with like an, an inexplicable like chain yeah. smoker song. It's it, if you've if you've ever got lost in a Kmart looking for your mom for like forty five minutes, you've heard all of these songs in the in, a, in their Spotify playlist. I mean, we can't diss on the boss. You know, he is he is the boss. That, That's the Bruce. Bruce is his big thing. He and he just has like like a weird. He's like Jonas Brothers songs and and That's to and relate to the youth, he, Travis. You didn't so get that clearly. Just just complete artifice. Just a bunch of a bunch of aides just throwing their their uh, their own Spotify into his, and then he just does a cursory glance at it and says that that looks fine to me. Uh, the it, idea com- of Joe Biden listening to the Jonas Brothers <laughs> yeah. is really concerning to me, especially in the wake of all of the um, allegations and revelations that the elites tend to like to have sex with children. Uh, the idea of him listening to Jonas Brothers yeah. is like not comforting. You know, like the cool, probably the coolest playlist is Beto because he's a he's a music guy, so he's got all like the the classic punk stuff, a lot of Texas stuff. Kamala Harris has almost all like black artists, which is great, mm-hmm. but it's all a music that is like about you know 
it's like drug music and she's a cop. It's so it's just no, very, I know. It's very like I don't no, know. No, that's why she said that she was really into Tupac when she was growing up, and Tupac didn't really exist yet. And they're all liars. But again, they are better than Donald Trump. So they. I just don't know. They don't have to relate. I don't need to like my president's music. I don't care. I don't give a shit if you like the exact same music as I do. It does not matter. It does not reflect how you're going to do on the job. And I don't understand why they try to play this game. It almost seems where mandi- to humanize them. It seems mandatory to have something like this. Though. It's just it's stupid. Like you you have to play the game, which is giving, a Spotify well, playlist, giving yourself a fake relatable persona. And, and like, at what point is someone going to be like, I love the chain smokers. Now, which president also does? Because that's how I'm going to vote. I'm sure there's somebody out there that's doing that. I'm sure somebody's going purely so. by Spotify playlists. I do it's not the, think so. the same person who like dates purely by horoscope, by like <laughs> <laughs> by Zodiac sign. Wow. But uh, but yeah, and then uh, let's see. Warren, her big song is uh, Nine to Five by uh, Dolly, by Dolly. Parton. Oh, I love uh, that. Dolly Parton's amazing. Nine to Five is a kick-ass song. That's actually my favorite I've heard so far. Also, a wonderful movie. If you haven't watched Nine to Five, uh, Fonda, uh, Lily Tomlin, and Dolly Parton. Great movie about empowerment and also kidnapping, which is why I really like it. And straight up trippy at parts. Because they get to a point where Lily Tomlin animates a brutal demise of her boss. And uh, it's really wonderful. Yeah. They've definitely masterfully created their weird, like, fake relatable personas. No, they're so relatable. Have you seen Trump's music playlist? No. He's got, like, he has a bunch of, like, opera stuff. He has Cats. He has a song from Cats. I could believe that. He has a lot of, he has a lot of, like, he's got Rolling Stones. He's a Broadway baby. Yeah, of course. I mean, he plays the Rolling Stones song still after he, every that's, speech. That's after every speech, he goes out to, uh, you can't always get what you want. Yeah. he comes up to, um, what is that, that Greenwood, Lee Greenwood song. Lee Greenwood? Yeah, I forget. God God bless America. God made America a place. I'm not really but sure it, what like, it's But, like, it called. starts with fake, his, his, his speeches start with that big, fake patriotic song they end with cool rolling stones and in the middle it's like cats and and rent it's like a guy in a fet manhattan man yes well created a spotify playlist with like Pavarotti is on it uh he, he's just a new york billionaire at the end of the and day apparently so he I just blares it. that stuff at these speeches uh to the point where you can't have conversations with the person next to you you know what that might be for the best all right well speaking of donald trump's speeches you might be wondering how does he draw such crowds and of course some of it is organic and some of it just simply is not union workers at a royal dutch shells manufacturing facility in western pennsylvania were told that they had to attend president trump's speech on Tuesday or take the day off without pay. So this reminds me of what happened in 1986 or 1886 rather with uh, William Bryant versus McKinley. McKinley was sort of the first president that had massive corporate funding. Like Charles Koch would have been funneling money to McKinley. But they used to do a thing back in the day where you had to cast your ballot. You had to vote in public. So you would have all of these workers who were basically told by their bosses, you better vote for McKinley or 
okay, you're going to get screwed. You do know that, right? So they used to do public voting. And now, of course, we have a much different system. You go behind a curtain. No one is supposed to know who you voted for. As a matter of fact, we live in a country where a lot of people just straight up don't say who they voted for. But this was a phenomenon that happened in this country, and it always ended up supporting massive corporate interest. And that is why we see events like this regarding these union workers who got to show up and go feign support for Donald Trump or lose money or get chastised by their Trumpers that they might work with or get chastised by the union bosses. This is extremely dangerous, and this is another way to subvert democracy. So the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette reported that a contractor sent a memo to, to union leaders that employs attendance at a Shell, Pennsylvania petrochemicals complex in Monica, Pennsylvania was, quote, not mandatory. However, a supervisor for the contractor wrote that only employees who arrived at the hours-long event would receive pay, writing, quote, no scan, no pay. And of course, I'm assuming uh, that the scan is referring to the ticket as you go through the door. No scan, no pay. So why were these union workers forced to go there? Well, evidently, the event was supposed to focus on, uh, quote, America's energy dominance and manufacturing revival. So it's America's energy dominance and manufacturing revival. However, of course, Donald Trump quickly made this a political event, quickly turned this into just another Donald Trump political rally. And let's be honest, the audacity of the idea that Donald Trump was going to give a non-political speech, I mean, they know exactly what they're doing here. Mm -hmm. So this is Donald Trump doing what uh, comedians, as they first start out, have to do, paper the room, invite all your friends, but on a president... The bringer show. But on a presidential level, that means you have a union leader tell all of the union members if they don't show up, they don't get paid. And it's again another example of the wealthy class manipulating a poorer class. Not not to say that these union workers are poor, but they're manipulating another class of people, telling them they must show up or they don't get paid, knowing full well. These people have to put food on the table. They got families. They got car insurance. They got house payments. Knowing full well, the vast majority of them cannot take a day off without freaking pay. So this is just another example of how out of touch the political class is, the billionaire elites. This is just another example of how they manipulate and force populations of people to just fall in line or get punished that's that trump ingenuity man he sees he sees a union that's supposed to help workers and he's like how do i make this work for me <laughs> exactly turn this into a trump positive absolutely so uh really just a disgusting situation and again as we're seeing donald trump speaking of not being concerned about uh the common person you know, the economy, everything, everyone's like it's humming along, all this kind of stuff. And now we're starting to see the tariffs. We're starting to see uh, the economy. We're starting to see there's a lack of confidence in the economy. There's a lot of people speculating we're going to have a collapse. We have Donald Trump in response to a potential collapse, joking, as Donald Trump can do, mm-hmm. joking about the Dow falling 600 points. This is real money for a lot of people. And the, the fact that he can just so flippantly joke about these things messing with people's money 
Uh, that is a big no-no, Donald, and even you. You might actually be able to shoot a dude in on Fifth Avenue. But if you start taking money out of people's wallets, which is what you're doing with the tariffs, well, they're going to turn their back on you because when you're talking about folks' money, that's their livelihood. And you start messing with that, and they get pretty freaking pissed off. He did have a pretty good joke when he said uh, the Dow fell because Seth Moulton left the presidential race. Seth Moulton, a Democratic candidate who... It was pretty good. I guess so. I don't even know why he was ever there. Uh, and, of course, we also lost uh, we lost our boy uh, Hickenlooper out of Colorado. He's going to go run for Senate and uh, possibly win that seat. Despite the fact that Colorado is a little bit annoyed with him as he ran as more of a moderate when he ran for president, Colorado currently has a pretty far-left progressive governor. Yeah. And that's kind of where the Democratic Party is in Colorado, or at the very least... That's where a large part of the Democratic Party is in Colorado. And some of them are like, I don't like your moderate stance. But at the same time, he's polling above every Democratic contender. And it looks as if he's most likely going to, uh, if if he plays his cards right, but most likely be able to get the nomination. Recession is looming for, uh, for all it of us. It just is. And it sucks. And, and it's because of Donald Trump's ridiculous trade policy. These things always take a long time to come to fruition. Mm-hmm. And it's just going to happen again. We're just in we're just in Trump Tower. We're, the nation is now Trump Tower in Atlantic City. We were just there last weekend. We do not want this country to end up like Atlantic City. I love AC. I love the people. I really do. I like to play, I like to play my little gambling games. But my God, this yeah. Well, Atlantic City is kind of like the uh, canary in the coal mine for the for the rest of the country. The fact that we saw a an abandoned Ruby Tuesdays. And, How does uh, that even happen? If you can't keep a Ruby Tuesdays open in AC, that thing should can be, you keep one anywhere? That thing should be humming. It should be humming. It should be the busiest Ruby Tuesdays in, in the history of Ruby Tuesdays. Instead, I was walking down the sidewalk in Atlantic City, and I saw six seagulls that looked like they were whacked out of the sky. Their their feathers just splayed in all directions as they, oh their my. corpses were strewn across the sidewalk. I was like, oh, this is what the this is what the country is about to become. Right. A, an abandoned Ruby Tuesday surrounded by dead seagulls. Oh. <laughs> well, you, we gotta you, stop that. Honestly, that's a great, uh, that's a good line. You should write Elizabeth but, Warren's campaign <laughs> on that one. Did, do you remember like how 2008 affected you at all because i i almost feel well, like i didn't have any money i wasn't present for it or something no i was still uh i was just out of college i was two years here i remember voting for obama here and uh no i mean my folks even were able to cash out because my dad had um disability yeah and so literally they were able to cash out at his, his pension obviously just a truck driver there but they cashed out about six months before the collapse and thank freaking god yeah. because if they didn't they would still be in Wisconsin, living in a small-ass house, freezing their bodies off. I was sleeping in my car freshman year of college, working part-time at a Starbucks inside of a Kroger's. But I I didn't That's really... Cool. I, that was really cool, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I didn't really feel the... Because I wasn't like a real adult yet, and so I didn't feel the, the hard-hitting effects of recession i kind of no. knew i kind of knew that we were in it because i kept seeing all these images of tent cities and i made uh, uh I giant made, job fairs and stuff i made twenty two thousand dollars a year until i was 35 so uh yeah so no that's a, <laughs> I, I did not i did not feel anything <laughs> I, I really i did not feel anything no i was uh pretty uh pretty out of the loop at that point but 
we are getting there, uh, and I'm not saying this like I don't because honestly I don't give a crap. I'm not one of these people who it's like I hope it does happen because then Donald Trump won't get reelected for sure. I want to see the economy doing well because human beings are real. No, if and I don't have a political. I will never hate someone as much. I will never hate someone to the point where I want to see things go badly in order to sort of circumvent and sort of get back and make that person look bad. I want people to be happy. And the, but the fact of the matter is Donald Trump and his policies economically are going to damage this country. And the irony is I don't even care that he's talking shit about the Fed. The Fed is a whole nother crazy institution. The fact that our economic system is separate from our government is completely insane in so many ways. Uh, but of course, that's the capitalist system that we live in. It's much different than China's capitalist system. But it is just it is just really disheartening and it's just really sad that a lot of people who put faith in Donald Trump are now going to be the people that are going to get the brunt of his economic failures. Yeah, and if it's we have sad. if we have a recession, here's what you have to look forward to. Uh, one out of every four people you know will be unemployed. So you'll have more free time. So you'll have more free time to hang out with your friends. Well, and of course, you know, when we do go through that process, if that does happen, but all marks seem to say that it will, and of course Donald Trump, again, understands that his tariffs are going to be hurting the middle-class families. He also has uh, sort of rolled back the idea of more tax cuts coming because if we overstimulate the economy even further than the Republican tax cuts did, you should not stimulate an economy that is going well. They did it. They overstimulated it. Uh, he knows that. That's why he's like peeling back on certain proposals, certain ideas. Again, like lowering taxes further. He gets it. But he seems to be laughing his way all the way to the bank. Oh well, he has um, a, he has a master plan, which is to buy Greenland. To buy Greenland. Yeah, to yeah. buy to buy. He has to buy a certain number of sort of scenic country islands, uh, string them along the coasts of America, right. and then we suddenly, uh oh, we have an amazing tourist economy. So Donald Trump, for those that don't know, he suggested that he should buy Greenland. Of course, I believe it's the Danish. I think yeah, they Denmark. have. I think they have something to say about it. Anyway, long story short, he's like, "Oh, I can't have Greenland. Then I'm not coming for a visit." So he didn't go meet their queen. This whole concept of the U.S. buying Greenland—it's happened three other times. I think it was 1927, and then one time after that. It's not that odd of a concept, I suppose. But what is odd is then Donald Trump, first of all, tweeting about it, and second of all, turning down a state visit. That has been planned for months. They had like billboards welcoming him and all that stuff. You know what it is? And I've done this before. I'll, I'll try to find like a moral reason to not do something. <laughs> but in reality, I'm just lazy. Yeah. So he's just being lazy. It's not, he doesn't have a moral issue. Oh, he's like, no, no one should speak to the United States like that under my leadership. And it's like, they're not talking to the U.S. They're talking to you, you dumpy asshole. <laughs> anyway. What's the, what's the bit, what's the the most recent thing you can remember where you just didn't do it because you were lazy and you had to, oh. you had to like strategize in your mind to, to rationale man way out of it. Most recent thing where I was like, Oh no, that wouldn't be right to do. I think when we were in Italy, we were in Naples uh, for my boy's wedding yes. and Henry and Eddie and their significant others wanted to go to Pompeii. And I was like, yeah, Pompeii, man, I would love to go. And then I woke up at like 8 o'clock in the morning, and I was with Brooke, and I was like, you know what? 
I think it's a little gross that people are going there for tourism. It's simply death tourism. So then we just walked around Naples. But of course, it was just because I wanted to sleep another two hours. It's- and that was it. But that was like, no, that is called death tourism. And I don't think I'll be going. It's so undignified to go see the man that was jerking off when Mount Vesuvius <laughs> rained ashes down on the, on the oh, city. Oh, man. All right. Just lastly here, I just want to tell this story. It's a sad one. And my heart goes out to everyone involved. People make mistakes. So no one is squeaky clean in this story. But police near Chicago uh, say six teenagers that were trying to break into a house. Obviously, again, you should not be doing that. That's very bad, very dangerous. A homeowner of the house shot one of the teens, and that teen died. The youngest teenager in this group was 14 years old, and that is the same person that was killed. Now, the other five, including four under 18, have been charged with first-degree murder as adults. One is legally an adult. That's an 18-year-old named Diamond C. Davis. Uh, Three are 17, and one is 16. I believe they're all girls. This is according to State Attorney Michael G. Nurham. He said this. He said, Illinois law has long held felons accountable for any foreseeable deaths that occur during the commission or attempted commission of a forcible felony. This includes the death of innocent bystanders in addition to the deaths of co-felons. This happens a lot in Chicago. There was a story recently, uh, actually this might have been two years ago or so that I covered, where there was four kids in the car, uh, two of those kids got out of the car, one of those kids while in the car shot somebody, and the cops arrested everyone there, charged them with first-degree murder because there was an intent as a group to go and commit a crime. So that's what they just did here. So we have one 14-year-old child who is dead because a homeowner stood and did. I mean, hey, again, the homeowner, they have a right. It's a very scary situation. you got six people breaking into your home. Yeah. But the question is, do we need to send five people to prison for first-degree murder, carries a life sentence? What are we doing? That is, again, they need to be charged with burglary, perhaps manslaughter, uh, but this idea that they need to be charged with first-degree murder, I think is just going way too far. And places like Illinois have been doing this for a long time. And that's why we wonder, why does the U.S. have the biggest prison population in the world? It's cases like that. So That is so grimly like kafka-esque is that that's a that's just a law that they have where yeah and there's other states that have the same law as a matter of fact many states do that's wild like i i mean so when i lived in kansas i I told this on the stream but i would like jump fences into neighbors houses and walk through the the back door and like uh open the fridge of my neighbors and take their soda out and then yeah very creepy with my with my friend and then we would leave the soda on the the front step and then ding dong ditch so that they would open the door and then find their own soda. Oh my God. We used to do that all that not, not break in, but we used to do the whole like, you know, flaming bags of poo. But like the idea that my friend could slip and then like hit his head on a, a dresser or something. And then I would go to prison for murder. For murder. Yeah. That is wild. Mm -hmm. Yep. That is the law. And uh, that is why we have the harshest, criminal justice system in the world probably other than china uh although we don't have the chinese numbers and how many people are uh or you know north korea as well but those are two massive uh one one is a dictatorship and the other one is a 
Well, you know, a dictatorship. So we should do a little bit better than that. I guess so. Um, I hope so. I would like to anyway. But I just wanted to highlight that story. And if you want to read the whole thing, I'm just reading this off a CNN article. It is, uh, the headline is, Six teens try to rob a house, police say, after the homeowner shot and killed one, the others were charged with murder. So uh, just something to think about. And uh, do we have, do we want that to be our society going forward? I certainly would like to see uh, criminal justice reform happen, and uh, that is just one of those elements there, uh, that I believe should be changed. You know, if you're robbing a house with somebody, I imagine you have to have like kind of a strong bond with that person in some way, right? Like I would assume some so. level of trust, and, and there's sort of a closeness there. So or that, they're just being stupid, but, but man. But those those kids lost a friend. They should get breaking and entering charges put sure. against them, uh, burglary, but. They should just, yeah, get those sentences and then maybe be forced to watch Don't Breathe, which is a, a cautionary yes, tale about it breaking into an old man who's blind, his house, because he knows karate and yeah. also he uses a turkey baster in very salacious ways. Um, And the homeowner, to their credit, they were 75 years old. They defended themselves and, and good on you. But, Wait, uh, was he blind? Was this the guy from I don't, Don't Breathe? I don't know if he was blind. I don't think so. Did he know karate? Um, That we don't know. But nonetheless, I just think that's heavy handed on the part of law enforcement. And that's why it's a difficult subject, because, again, we're talking about people who made a mistake. Exactly. They did something horrible. I really hope no one breaks into my house. It's a colossal. It's very scary. Um, But should they be charged with murder? Anyway, that's up for debate. And, uh, of course, you know, you guys can go and debate on social media if you like to. You can find me on Twitter at Ben Kissel, Instagram at Ben Kissel one I mostly do most of my time on Instagram. I just find it to be slightly more positive and, uh, you know, I just like I like looking at all the art. You guys make some great art. So thank you all so much for listening. And uh, we got some news coming out about the documentary for Hail Yourself America. It is looking like I will probably end up releasing it online. Um, so I will keep you up to date on that. And, um, yeah, that's about it. Travis, anything else? Uh, look to the skies Look for the spirit of, of David Coke. David Coke. There he's up there flying around, just hanging out with Jeffrey Epstein, just laughing about all the damage they've done he's, to the he world. Just, he's, his ghost is standing next to, to Qui Gon Jinn and, and Ben Kenobi as, oh. as they watch the polar ice caps melt and they just nod approvingly as, as the world uh, goes down in flames. All right, everyone. Thank you all so much for listening. We love you. Hail yourselves. We'll talk to you soon. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Hi, Max. I wanted to share something with you. I wanted to tell you how grateful I am on how you've embraced your sobriety since day one. I'm grateful for how you changed your life. I'm grateful for the love you have for me. I'm grateful for you. Love, Mom. If your loved one is still struggling with addiction, you might not feel like you'll ever get to grateful. But we can show you how. At Karen, we've helped families overcome addiction for 70 years. So if your loved one is ready for something different, visit caron.org slash lost. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire.